All right, we are now in week two of our series, uh, Overwhelmed. I received a lot of pretty good feedback uh, last week from the message in different forms and ways, and even as people came in this morning. And um, I'm always thankful when a message connects, but I'm not that surprised with this subject matter because we all get overwhelmed in our life. It's... Male, female, rich, poor, young, old, uh, being overwhelmed is an equal opportunity experience, unfortunately, in this difficult world that we live in. And so I wasn't surprised with that, that it, that it uh, connected. But we, we could all use a little extra help from time to time, and that's what this series is about. And today I'm actually using a subtitle, and it's on the screen, Overwhelming Peace overwhelming peace. Did you see what I did there? I made our scary word into something good. (laughs) And do you know that's what God is so amazing at doing? Turning something negative over upside down and using it for our good. It's it's unbelievable how he can do that. Um, This, today's sermon, uh, overwhelming peace, it started here when I was studying and getting ready for it and it ended up like somewhere over there. I don't know if you've ever done lessons or teaching or, or preaching or anything. It, this was a really odd thing. It's not where I was going, but the Holy Spirit took it where it needed to go. And it, the, the path to peace, I've never seen this before, what we're going to talk about today. I've never seen where we're going to land. I've just never seen it this way. The way we come to really have overwhelming peace in our life may surprise you. And so hang in there and, and engage with this because I think it could be life-saving, life life-changing. Um, I want to read a couple of passages over you about peace before we pray. I actually did a word search in the New Testament for the word peace, and it, it appears 104 times in the New Testament alone. You think God cares about your peace? Um, let me ask that one more time. <laughs> Do you think God cares about your peace? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And I'm going to take the time to read these over you. I don't think I've ever done this before, and I I should. Because when you read Scripture out loud, it takes it to another level. And I'm not just saying that. It's actually scriptural. When we read the Word of God with a big W, the Word of God, the Logos of God out loud, it becomes, in the Greek, rhema. It becomes a right now word. It becomes prophetic. It becomes powerful. So if you're right off the bat, if you're going through something, read scriptural promises out loud over your life, over your family, over the issue. It becomes the sword of the spirit in Ephesians. It becomes a weapon in Hebrews. It's powerful. Listen to Jesus in John 14, 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Folks, you cannot find true peace at the bottom of a bottle. You can't find it in a pill. You can't find it in any of these other escapes that we try to come up with in our life. It's only through Jesus. Only he can give us the peace that we need. So he says, don't be troubled or afraid. And then he says in John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, you will have trouble. He's like, guys, don't be surprised. 
You're going to have trouble in this world because we live in a troubled world. We live in a fallen, sin-sick world. So don't be surprised when you bump up against and come up against trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And if I am living in you, you are an overcomer and you can have peace. You can have peace. I didn't mean to preach that. I meant to speak it over you, but you can't help it. Come on. So receive that this morning. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. But Lord, let it not stay as black and white. Lord, let it become active, sharper than any double-edged sword in our life. Let it become prophetic in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Between the summers, the summer between my junior and senior year, I uh, was a counselor at a middle school youth camp down uh, for about a week in Florida. And while I was there, I received a phone call, and I, we didn't have cell phones. And the, the camp came and got me and said, that you have a, f- a phone call in the office from your mother. Now, now today, we send texts and emojis and, eh, you know, Snapchat, whatever, all the time. It's no big deal. But when you get a message like that where somebody has tracked you down and somebody has gone to the trouble to go get you out of the office and it's from your mother, it's not going to be probably good news. So I got to the office, terrified, and she said, Alan, your sister has disappeared. My sister's seven years older than me, and we all knew that she was going through a very dark period of time, depressed. She said, we don't know where she is. We've been looking for her for two days. No word. And we thought it was time to call you. And I'm like trying to figure out how I'm going to get back. We're in school buses down in, you know, eight hours away in Florida. And she said, no, don't worry about it. Just I want you to pray. There's nothing that you can really do here. And so when that phone call came, it was service time for the kids. And so everybody was in the service. And so I went out to the beach. There's a lake in the sand, and there was nobody else there. And I fell on my face. And I can, I'm not an emotional person. I could tell you on, on you know, one hand how many times that I've wept. I'm not talking about tears in a movie theater. I'm talking about weeping. I didn't know if she was dead or alive. We didn't know. And so I, we, I cried out to God. I cried out to the Lord. I poured my heart and my spirit out. How many know what I'm talking about? And I wish I could say that, that, that a beam of light came down. That Jesus, I looked over and Jesus was walking down the beach. It's not what happened. Very unusual feeling or experience. It wasn't the peace of God that I felt. It was the love of God. Had no assurance about what was going to happen. But I felt the love of God. I felt the Holy Spirit wrap his arms around me. Two days later, I got on the bus to go back, still not knowing. And I'll never forget when we got here, uh, this was a Mount, Mount Perrin, and we pulled into the Mount Perrin Central parking lot. This was before they had the big parking garage, if you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been down there, um, this was before all that. And we pulled straight in, and in front of the Family Life Center, that I'll never forget it, I saw Mom, Dad, and Leanne. And today she's serving the Lord. God has, you know, using her in a powerful way. 
I said all of that and told you that story, and I called her first to make sure it was okay. And, of course, she wants to have that testimony. We were talking, this is my story. That's part of her story. But prayer is the basis of our relationship with God. It's how we communicate with him. So it's never inappropriate to request help and to just cry out to him in our time of need and trouble. He wants us to do that. If you feel overwhelmed today, if you're feeling pain or disappointment or anxiety or fear, it's never wrong to ask God to meet you there and to give you some relief from those things. But everybody pay attention. Look at me. You also need to understand that his primary hope for you is not just that you are pain-free. It's not just that you are comfortable. It's not just that you are anxiety-free. It's not just that you never have a disappointment in your life. God knows what you need before you even ask. And let me tell you something. He cares about what you're going through. But the most important thing to God is that you come to the realization that he alone is your source. That he alone is your provider. And that's a hard word. That that is more important than our relief. It's not a popular word, but it is a biblical word. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but in 2 Corinthians 12, it's the story of the Apostle Paul. Super Paul, right? Super Apostle. Wrote half of the New Testament. But we have an account here where in the Greek it says he was begging God to give him relief from what he was calling a thorn in the flesh. He would ask God again and again and again, please God, just, just take this away. Come on, I'll be able to serve you better if you'll just take it away. I'll be able to be better for you if you'll just, just take it, Lord, just take it. Come on, how many have been there? Just give me some relief, God. Now, scholars have argued about what that could be. We don't know. Some think it was a physical ailment, maybe an eyesight problem that he was having. Others think it might have been a, a spiritual thing or a temptation that he was bumping up against constantly. I lean towards that because of Romans chapter 7 where he says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, man, that's what I end up doing. I'm so glad that's in the Bible. Because he says, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? This rotting corpse. And he says, thanks be to God. Only Jesus Christ. That's not the sermon. That's not the sermon. But I think it was a spiritual. Whatever it was, whatever it was, he was begging God to remove it. And finally, God answers. He says, Paul, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to remove it. But my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Now, God doesn't cause Let me back up and say this. One of the many problems with the American version of Christianity is that we don't understand or maybe we just flat out reject the idea that God would use suffering in our lives to deepen our walk with him. Now, he doesn't cause suffering. He doesn't make that happen, but sometimes he allows those things into our life to deepen our trust and our faith in him. James, the brother of Jesus, says, consider it all joy 
my brothers and sisters, when you face trials, when you face problems of all kinds, because you know what? The testing of your faith produces perseverance and good things in your life. And so when we're in a dark place, though, we're not thinking about that. When we're feeling overwhelmed by life, we just want it to go away. We're just praying for relief. But that's not always how God works. And because we don't know the word, or we maybe don't understand the word, or maybe we we just reject his word, we get frustrated and mad at God. Am I preaching? It's all right for you to say amen. We've all been there. But all along, he's there. All along, he desires to do a work of grace in us and through us to help somebody else. All along, he wants to form us into vessels for his use, for his glory. But to go through that process, folks, is not easy. To go through that process is uncomfortable at times. To become God's vessel, there is a price to pay. All through Scripture, the Holy Spirit is compared to oil, olive oil. The oil of gladness. How many have heard that? Talking about the Holy Spirit. The process to get oil from an olive is that the olive has to be crushed and pressed. And then they would take that olive oil from that process of crushing and the anointing would come. They would anoint each other. They would anoint If we want to be anointed and walk in the anointing of God, there is a price to pay. There is a crushing that takes place that God, but see, he never leaves us during that. He walks with us through that whole process. And it's all for our good because he is for us and not against us. But see, this flesh has to be dealt with. Come on, somebody. This flesh has to be dealt with. It's going in the opposite direction. The word of God says it's at enmity with God. It's enemies. The next two verses are really important. Romans 8, 6, Paul says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the spirit control your mind, letting the Spirit filter everything that you do and see leads to life and what? Peace. There's our word. He says later in Romans 12 too, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by getting every single thing that you want. That's not what your Bible says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by changing the way you look at life. Be transformed by letting the Spirit of God control your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Does anybody want to know what God's will is for your life? Does anybody want to walk in true purpose with Him? About 20 of you. Well, here's here's the... Here's the first point. Write it down. Look at the screen. God wants to renew our minds, not just reassure them. God wants to renew 
our minds, not just reassure them. Of course God wants us to pray. Of course God wants us to bring these overwhelming feelings and emotions to him every time. Don't ever feel like you can't do that. But parents, it's like with our kids. We want our kids to bring their issues and their problems and, and, and everything that they're going through. We want, we want them to feel free to come to us about their pain and disappointments. But if all we ever do is rescue them, if all we ever do is solve their problems, if all we ever do is validate their emotions and tell them they are always right, and we never teach them to overcome, we never teach them how to find strength in their struggles and challenges to work through their issues, what kind of kids are we training and reaching, I'll tell you, it's the kind we're seeing come into the marketplace right now. Kids that are not prepared for life. Kids that will never reach their full potential in Christ. Sometimes the best answer we can give our kids is no. Sometimes the best action we can take is none. It's the, I said all that to say this, it's the same with our Heavenly Father. He wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us. He loves us. Come on, parents. You know it's not easy to take your hands off. It's the hardest thing in the world. And it's hard for him, I'm sure. He wants to strengthen us. But even more, he wants to renew our mind. It's the difference between temporary relief and eternal life. He desires a deeper work, folks. That, that's done in our spirit, in our soul, that can't be accomplished with a quick answer and a quick, a quick solution, a rescue. I came to preach this morning. It's not an easy one. I told you I was going to give you a story the next few weeks about overcoming and, and, and being overwhelmed and some, some characters in the Bible. And God gave me one that's a little unusual. You may not even have ever heard this guy. His name's Asaph. He's a worship leader during the time of David and King Solomon. He knew the Lord. He was a worship leader. Listen to what he goes through in his mind. It's all just him. It's all, if you, hey, if you don't journal and you have, you need, I'm telling you, journaling is great because you really can, 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 can get through some stuff by getting it down on paper. And that's what this guy does. Listen to his story. And I want you to feel and sense what he's going through. Verse 1 of 73 Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. And then he says, but as for me, (laughs) I almost lost my footing. It's like he started out, he started out, truly God is good. He's like, that's what I should say, but this is how I really feel. Come on, somebody. He says, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Is that the correct perspective? Is it even true? It isn't true. Of course they had troubles. Of course they had disappointments and pain. But when you're struggling in your mind... Things get confusing and foggy, and you start believing the lie of the enemy. When our minds come under attack, and we don't take those things captive like we talked about last week, in Jesus' name, they get blown up and they get bigger, and soon they overwhelm us and take over our life. 
If we don't deal with stuff when it comes in and, and expel it in Jesus' name, it can get plumb crazy up in here. Come on, somebody. Be honest in the house of the Lord. We're all just a little bit crazy. Maybe a lot. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? How many could have written that? All right, no, 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 no. Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Am I following this thing, God, for nothing? I get nothing but trouble. All day long, every morning brings me pain. I'm trying to live for you. Lord, I even put something in the offering. (laughs) Pastor Tyler finally got to me. But still I've got trouble. Still I've got pain. Can you feel this? You don't have to raise your hand. It's fine. But do you see the problem with the perspective? Where is his focus? Is it on God? And how's that working out for him? Not too good. Let's skip past the rest of the rant and get to verse 21 where it begins to shift. He says in verse 21, then I realized, everybody say realized. I realized my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. My goodness, this is real. It's been my prayer, folks, all week long that some of you who are really struggling in your mind, struggling in your life, feeling overwhelmed, would come to the realization this morning that you are seeing the world through a filter of pain and through a filter of bitterness, and it's tearing you up inside, and it's affecting your family, it's affecting your marriage, it's affecting you on the job, it's affecting everything because it's overwhelming. But you're seeing everything through bitterness and through disappointment. And through pain, your focus is completely on those things. But I don't want you to just have a fleeting revelation or realization this morning. I want you to respond this morning to the goodness of God. I want you to respond to his love and his grace and his mercy. And maybe for the first time in years, begin to feel and sense the peace that can only come through him. Verse 22. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. He's talking to God. He said, yet I still belong to you. I love that. Lord, I'm screwed up. My mind is totally in a fog. I'm totally confused about what I'm going through. All I'm seeing is trouble. I'm I'm discouraged. I'm trying to do my best. And all I'm seeing is negative. But God, I still know that I belong to you. That is grace. I want to encourage somebody who's maybe at the edge of this thing. I mean, you're like right here. And you're just like that close to giving up. In Jesus' name, you belong to your heavenly father. If you've made a decision for Christ, you belong to him. And anything else, anything else is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Amen. 
I love this right here. This is awesome. Verse 24, he says, You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. He is mine forever. Come hell or high water, come disappointment or depression or pain or anxiety. My God, I know that I'm in the palm of your hand and you are mine. And I am yours forever. So how do we come to this place of realization and revelation? How do we, how do we come to this place of renewal? How do we come to this place of peace? This is the part I've never seen before. I've never seen this avenue to peace. I've, I'm like, Alan, are you an idiot? It's right there. That's the word of God, though. It's fresh. I've never seen this. Look at the screen. We have to battle our thoughts with God's love. We have to battle our thoughts with the love of God. See, Asaph's battle was with himself. <laughs> In his mind, and he didn't come to a place of victory. He didn't come to a place of peace until his mind was renewed. Did you see? Did you feel where his mind got renewed? He started realizing where he was, and his focus shifted from all the issues and the problems and the pain, and he started to realize the love of God in his life. He started to remember the love of God. Did you know that neurologists have determined that the brain was wired for love? God has wired us for love. And that makes sense because God is love. And we have been created and fashioned and formed in the image of Almighty God. But you know what? We were not pre-wired to deal with anxiety and pain. Does that answer a lot? But see, we were never meant to. We are carrying burdens and anxiety that we were never, my God, have mercy. The answer is not in him taking something away. The answer is resting in his love. Listen to what Sarah Ball, she's a Christian counselor and an author. Listen to what she says. After working with hundreds of anxiety sufferers, I have discovered that most of the time the physical, mental, and emotional reaction to a thought is mistrust in the love of God in that area. Mistrust in the love of God. Folks, when we're hit with overwhelming feelings and anxiety and pain, which comes to every one of us, we try everything on earth to get rid of it. Come on, get an amen. Come on. We, 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 we pray. We meditate and think about the beach and the vacation. Come on. We, we, we take deep breaths when our Apple Watch tells us to. We get counseling. We might take a pill. We lather our bodies up with essential oils. Calm down. Don't send me an email. My wife has me lather up too. It's fine. Whatever. Sometimes, listen... Y'all smile, it won't hurt you. Sometimes some of those things work. 
I mean, they, they alleviate the pain, they're whatever. I'm not preaching against those things. But as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus, those things cannot be our focus. Those things cannot be our only source. Listen to me. Wait, when you need to focus on, what you need to focus on is the truth that God fearlessly loves you. Just as you are. Just where you are, with all of your junk, with all of the mistakes, with all of the fog, with all of the pain, with all of the mistrust, everything that is you, God loves you with an undying love that will never end. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And we have to rest in that love and embrace that love. Don't push it away. And see, if he loves you with that kind of love, there is nothing that can completely overwhelm your life. I love what Paul says in Romans eight thirty eight. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? The love of God in Christ Jesus. The love of God conquers all. The love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. It's bigger than your pain. It's bigger than your cancer. It's bigger than your problems. It's bigger than your alcoholism. It's bigger than your addiction. It's bigger than any issue in your life. It is the greatest. It is the top. The love of God. The love of God. Rest in the love of God. Hallelujah. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him be. They are weak, but He is. Sing it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Amen. Even if you've never been in church, you know that song. You know it, but do you really believe it for you, for yourself, not just for someone else? Do you believe it for you? We rattle off a panic prayer like, God, just make it go away. Please just bring me relief. When we do that, I want you to hear this. When we do that, our focus is on the fear that we're never going to recover. It's really not on the problem. It's really not on the disappointment. or What we're really focusing on when we're just begging God to take something away, it's not the problem because the problem's going to be different next week. The problem's going to be different next month. That's not the thing. What we're really focusing on is the fear that we're never going to recover. The fear that it's never going to be any different. The fear that we're never going to get over this thing. And when we do that, when we focus on the fear, we give it authority in our life. We give it power in our life. And it magnifies the thing to a point that we are overwhelmed. So don't just pray about it. 
Don't just try and pray it away. Shift your focus and marinate your mind in the love of God. Rest in his love and receive the peace of God that passes understanding and let it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Who is the only one in the universe that can offer a perfect love? Who is the only one who can drive out your fear and anxiety? Who is the only one who can truly bring you peace? Say it with me. Jesus. So the big idea today, the way to perfect peace is through perfect love. The way to perfect peace is through the perfect love of God. I never saw it. Never saw this this way. Anybody? Are y'all like, Pastor, you should know this. I never saw the path to peace through the love of God. I always was like you, like just pray harder. Come on. Just have more faith. Just stop doing whatever it is. That's easy to say. I never saw it as resting in the love of God. Amen. I want to close with a testimony from one of our own members here in the room. I saw this on Facebook and I but I still asked her for her permission because, see, this testimony is not something that happened 20 years ago. She's still going through it. And I think that gives it more weight. I mean, it's one thing. It's awesome to testify what God did 20 years ago, right? Lord brought me through. Lord saw, da, 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 da. That's, that's wonderful. That's amazing. But when you're still going through it, but God is renewing and transforming your mind and you write something like this, it needs to be shared and I want it to encourage you. And I'm doing this because we are made overcomers, the Revelation says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we're believing God for more testimonies to come from this time together. This is my story. This is my song. Her name is Shannon Phillips. She writes, and I've got it on the screen, so much I don't understand. So many unanswered questions, but I remember another time a few years back I was struggling and seeking closure for something tragic in my life. I felt sure at the time I would never heal without the closure I so craved. But the Lord began to reveal to me that closure doesn't always come from having all the answers. Or knowing everything at one moment in time. Yes, sometimes the Lord does continue to reveal things in his timing. But what if he doesn't? What if the answers come later on the other side? How then does one feel closure? How then does one feel peace? All I know is once I surrendered my desire for what I felt I needed, which was healing, comfort, relief, the Lord began miraculously to heal me. I began immediately to feel peace, a sigh of relief, knowing without a doubt that what I had been seeking, I did not need. I needed to rest in him. Get this. I needed to move forward with certainty in his love and abiding grace. My closure came without the answers I sought so hard to find. My closure came with a breathtaking silence, almost deafening. 
a stillness, a peace, a new acknowledgement that answers aren't always important or even necessary. And then she ends with this. Look beyond the here and now. It is only a fleeting moment in this beautiful life God has for you. Free yourself from the captivity of who, what, why, and when. They don't really matter. The only thing that matters is whose you are. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Shannon's here this morning. God bless you, Shannon. God bless you as you continue to fight and continue to rest in the love of God. Now, those words are not from a best-selling author, at least not yet. They're just one of us, right? A woman who's gone through hell through some ma- and still going through major challenges, but... Just like the psalmist Asaph, she has embraced the revelation that the peace of God doesn't always come through closure. The peace of God doesn't always come through rescue or relief, but through his perfect love. And listen, the key, you want to know the key to that whole testimony? It's in one word. Put it up there. Until we bow our knee. And say, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm messing it up in my own strength every single time. Until we bow our knee and our will to him, we will never truly experience the peace of God. Surrender all of the troubles, all of the disappointments, all of the pain. And rest in the love of God. And he will bring you peace. And I want you to receive it this morning. Don't push back on it. You know how teenagers are when you try to give them a hug? (laughs) Y'all needed to laugh. That's why I did that. Don't resist the love of God. We do that. It's like, no, God, I want to be mad. I'm preaching. We do that to people. We do that to God. You're like, no, I'm I'm enjoying this. Thank you. I want to be mad for a minute. I know none of you feel that way ever. We're like, no, God, stop. Don't resist the love of God this morning. Jesus loves you. And he desires peace for you but it comes through resting in his love. Would you bow your heads?